This is a Boardwalk Audio podcast. I just drink wine. Welcome, Welcome to, to the wine, wine situation. situation. Hey, Sean. Hi, Ellen. Diving right in. Diving right into the show. In situ. In what? In situ. In situ. Like, like in in the we're we're in the place where all the action happens. Oh. We're in a restaurant. I thought you were speaking like Japanese or something. It's like an art like term for yeah. when things are in the. Never mind. No, I like it. I'm into <laughs> it. Um, where are we, Ellen? We're at Good Measure. Oh, Good Measure. That's a. F- that's a restaurant, it's right? It's a fine establishment. It's a fine restaurant in that uh, Water Village, isn't it? It is. We're on location, you guys. Yeah, because our, our guest, this is his place. This is um, his place. That's, you know, hi, it's the wine situation. We find out people's situation with wine. That's Sean Buchholz. Yeah, hi guys, how are you? <laughs> We're so good at intros. We're so good at intros. Uh, Sean's the wine whisperer. He looks into your soul and retrieves wines. He helped open Bar Covell, mm. and, uh, you know, he worked with uh, Greg Condes. I did, I he, did. That's... Ellen Clifford over there. She's the Mademoiselle Le Palette. Oui, oui. She is so learnt on wine. <sighs> it's intimidating. It's just like wine facts are just dripping off of her right it's, now as I look at her. She's like a she's like a wine candle. It, it's kind of gross. <laughs> <laughs> it's really pretty gross. It's gross. I know. And actually, it's a lot cooler than I just described it, I guess. But yeah. No, so what, W set diploma? He, working on it. Working on it. She's If it um, doesn't kill me. Yeah. Which it may. Some level at uh, court. That? I don't know. That, yeah. All kinds of stuff. Writing things for delectable. Writing things for delectable. That's, oh, that's right. Yeah, go yeah. Check, check out our columns on delectable, guys. They're pretty fun. They're pretty awesome. I try and keep them a little light. Well, thanks for tuning into the show today, guys. We're so happy to have you, and we're so happy to be a good measure. Um, should we do a little uh, Grape of Thrones oh, let's first? Let's do a little Grape of Thrones. <gasps> Grape of Thrones. Cinemavro. Cinemavro. The Barolo of Greece. <laughs> uh, that's what they call it, right? Cinemavro actually could be like a character on Game of Thrones, though. I kind of feel like it sounds like a. It should be. Yeah. yeah. Um, the family of Zinamavro. Yes, it is a, a grape that it's a, a red grape or a black grape or however you prefer to call them. Mm-hmm. Uh, very high in tannins, high in alcohol, high in acid, very much like Nebbiolo. It gets tawny with age. Uh, I don't know that I've actually ever had it, which is why I feel silly talking about it, but I really want to. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty good. It's pretty interesting. Should we spell it for our listeners? Oh, yeah. So, so like next time you guys see it, you'll be like, oh, that's how you say that. <laughs> yeah, it begins with an X. X. Yeah, we're like looking down to make sure we get it right. I know, right? X I N O N A V R O. Normally found in the north of Greece in Nausa. Uh, yeah, I've never had it and I really want to. According to Wine Folly, we should pair it with pasta with cheese, which yeah. sounds great. I'm all, I'm all for that. I wish I had more things to tell people about this grape, but I haven't had it yet and I really <laughs> want to. So I'm just putting it in the universe. Yeah. Find me, Zinamavro. I'm waiting for you. I have the exact same things to say about it as you do. I have had it before because there's this really great guy who buys wine for Covell. Um, I, I, don't, I can't think of his name, but... Uh, <laughs> um, is, is he uh, yeah you know uh, a, re- a few restaurants he like has, one yeah, or two he has a couple restaurants a couple little um, things he's, he's kind of known in the wine world his name will come to me I'm oh, sure God. it'll come to me in a second um, I think I know who you're talking about yeah, Dodgers you know, fan Dodgers fan I, I yeah. insulted him uh-huh. with my Cardinals hat earlier yeah. today <laughs> um, very very attractive um, 
former roommate of you. I was <laughs> rubbing your shoulder <laughs> rubbing now. Rubbing my shoulder as I speak. Uh, yeah, no, we've had it at Covell. So that's where I've had it. Uh-huh. But um, outside of that, it, it's hard to find. You know, I'm a big fan of the white wines from Greece. Those are really great too. But um, the red wines are equally as delicious, but a little bit harder to find in my opinion. But yeah, guys. So that's our um, Grape of Thrones. Grape of Thrones. Cinemafro. I don't do that as well as you. Oh, you're doing it. Oh, look at you. The trumpet thing. The gloves are coming off. <sighs> Ellen's doing her own sound effects, guys. Trying. Love it. Uh, well, let's bring in this fabled person who we keep <laughs> referencing so he doesn't have to sit here and yeah, wait. And, in silence. And so we can open some wine because yeah. I brought something good let's for us. Some wine, yeah. So you guys, you know him from Covell. You know him from Silver Lake Wine. You know him from Good Measure, Augustine. Uh, you know him from AMFM, his uh, wine label that he has. Um, Which I'm we sh- have had on uh, Go Listen to the... Who's, who did we have that with? We had that with... Um, who did we have that with? It was a woman, It was right? a woman, yeah. You guys, you write in and tell us which episode that was with the AMF and Peter Noir. Yeah. Um, it's Matthew Kaner, guys. Hi. Hi. How are y'all doing? We're so Great. excited we could do this. We're so excited that it worked out. So fun. It's Thanks fun for being me. in like the, like the sort of cool corner of Good Measure. This is like the... The, what do you call this? The sommelier? Yeah, we're, um, we're on the VIP table, the, a.k.a. The, double zero for all the restaurant people out there. Um, this is our little private um, space within our wine cellar. So you get a view of all the wines that we have, both uh, by the glass and by the bottle. And then you sit and stare at the sambar, which stares back at you. It's lovingly. beautiful. Yeah, this feels like a pretty fancy, sexy table over here, I got to say. It's yeah. a power table. It's a power table. We close deals here. Yeah, you closed you. Yeah. <laughs> it happens all the time. Yeah. It's like a bunch of business people really mm-hmm. like it. Oh, we yeah. have uh, some friends of ours who are in the music industry and like bring in their artists to try to get better deals with them, that kind of thing. Yeah. Nice. It's a closing table, for sure. <laughs> this table's for closers, guys. <laughs> ABC. Co- Coffee's for closers. <laughs> oh, there's a bottle of AMF and Pinot Noir right over there. Oh, hello. Oh. That's such a delicious wine. 2014 vintage, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, Pinot Noir. How many years are you on to it now? So AMFM, we started in 2007 vintage. Okay. And it started with a different home winery at that point. We were making it with Sarlos and Sons. Ah. And then in 2013, we started with the uh, with our friends at Presquil in Santa Maria Valley. Presquil. Presquil. It's well, delicious wine. Merci. Our drinking pleasure today, one of my favorite wineries, which Sean said you like as well. We brought a Dragonette Rosé, the 2017, their latest one. Oh, yeah. Um, Dragonette up in Santa Barbara. I think this is a Santa... Is it Santa Maria or Ines? Uh, Happy Canyon? Uh, Happy Canyon. Yeah, Happy Canyon, Santa Barbara. Um, Which, from a previous show, we realized it's called Happy Canyon because that's what they used to make a ton of moonshine. (laughs) Hello. Hello. Happy Canyon. Uh, Well, cheers, everyone. Matthew, thanks for being here. Yes. Happy Saturday, Thanks for being here also. Cheers, Dragonette. Ooh. Jose. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Jose. People at Dragonette Cellars know what's up. They're Mm -hmm. old friends of mine. Do you Uh, know Brandon Sparks? Gillis? Known him since way before Dragonette, yeah. Um, and then their tasting room managers are also very close friends of mine. So yeah, a lot going on, a lot of history there. Brandon makes incredible wines. The brothers do a great job. The, it's just the whole thing is really cool. Yeah, well, I mean, I know, of course, a little bit about you because you're from Santa Barbara. So I was like, let's have a wine that celebrates your your birthplace or your place of origin. I don't know. You weren't born there, I right? wasn't born there, I no. <laughs> I said that. No. I was like, I, we moved there when I was just about five. All right. Where That's, were you born? 
I was born in Louisiana. Oh. Baton Rouge. Ooh. Or Baton Rouge, if you're from there. <laughs> do, you, do you have family back there? A lot. Do you go back and drink Sazeracs? Uh, I was in New Orleans in February, and I don't think I had a single Sazerac while there. Oh. I was there for a big wine thing, so ah. we were drinking a lot of wine. That makes sense. And the Times cocktails were passed out. I think it was mostly mostly gin stuff. Yeah, there was, yeah we weren't going Sazerac yet. Hmm. Is your sister still back east? Or is she back My east? sister just moved to Denver. Oh, wow. So no. Okay. We're just catching up, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Old friends. We'll be right with you guys well, on the show. This episode's really exciting to me because I never day drink, and it's like three in the afternoon, and we're having yeah. rosé, so this it's is a good time very for exciting. Yeah. yeah. This is definitely like afternoon, hot summer. It's not oh, summer yeah. technically, but in Los Angeles, it's always a little it's bit summer. summer. It's super hot. Yeah, it's the fall, and it's, what, 80 degrees today? Yeah. Nice fall weather. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, a little fall rosé. Um, so what's your situation with, uh, with wine, Matthew? How did you get involved in wine? My situation with wine is a a long standing one at this point for me. You know, it's a third of my life, but um, came to the wine world by way of having been really inspired by a college roommate's dad's collection of wine Mm -hmm. and his amazing generosity toward us. I started to see wine as something different than just like a beverage, something to get drunk on, something to like have at a dinner table. It became something just otherworldly. And so I learned a lot about vineyards from all over France, vineyards from Australia. Germany, Spain, and um, at 21 years old, I just I got kind of an early, quick, hard education on not only the amazing world of wine, but also the the place it plays with food at a dinner table. Yeah. So the inspiration I got from him was to quit my restaurant job I had been working, which was not a fancy restaurant at all. Was it like as a server? I was. Um, I started off as a cashier delivery person, uh-huh. and then I worked my way up to manager. Domino's. Uh, I wish. I wish. <laughs> have you guys, by the way, the quick aside, have you seen these new oven cars they have? Yes. What? How rad are those? Yeah. They have like it a, cooks while they drive? It like keeps little, it hot while driving. A little ah. oven pizza car. So anyway, no, it was a barbecue <laughs> restaurant. And um, my good friend growing up's dad owned it. So there was some familial closeness, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, I ended up having to leave the job just because I I had run my course. And I found inspiration to try to get a wine, or rather a job in wine. So 2005, I started working at the Wine Cask in Santa Barbara. And that's where it all started for me. Yeah. Retail. Retail. So the Wine Cask is just like a wine shop in Santa Barbara? It was a multidimensional business. It was a restaurant that was a fine dining restaurant. Mm -hmm. They had an award... Uh, grand award from the wine spectator for their wine list and then they also had both a store which is where I worked and then they had a wine bar as well oh okay. so I later also worked in the wine bar so you got to like try a lot of things and we got to taste everything. Yeah, taste everything every winemaker from around the world who came to Santa Barbara whether they went to like go visit producers or learn whatever was going on in their area they all came to the wine cask yeah. it was just a it was a fabled place that everyone wanted their stuff so we got to taste everything yeah i mean like this is something that i know from working at covell is that like part of building a palate for wine is getting to be able to try it yeah. you know the hardest part is getting to try you know wines against each other and be like oh this is a pinot noir compared to a cabernet and to even go further back from that cuz i agree entirely a lot of times people wonder, how do, I, how do I know what something tastes like? How, do, how can I say that that tastes like plum or that tastes like dirt or that tastes like you know, the ocean? But truly, the only way to know is to taste everything in the world. Right. Yeah. So if you're curious about flavor and about smell and about taste, you're going to figure that out by yeah. literally licking rocks. And yeah. <laughs> when I, but when I was a kid, <laughs> Go I, lick would, a rock. I would literally smell everything before I ate it, no matter what it was. And I yeah. was obsessed with scent. Mm-hmm. I always have been my whole life. 
which is such a huge part of wine, as you know. Like yeah. a lot of wine people will spend most of the time with their nose <laughs> in the their glass. Nose in the yeah. glass yeah. And I actually have allergies, and if I don't take a pill every day, I would never be able to do this job. Wow. There's no yeah. way. So I'm on Zyrtec. Shout out to Zyrtec. Shout out to Zyrtec. One uh, a day I'm over the counter. I'm all about the Allegra every day. So. Ah. Yeah. There, there you go. go. No, it's funny. I just, I just <laughs> did like a little like web thing, and we're on a date, and we have wine, and we cheers, and, he, and, and my date just drinks it, and I, sn- and I smell it. It's like, we just, I just watched the scene. It's and like real like, life. I was like, oh, it's, <laughs> it just, it's become such habit, but yeah. I realized it's like the difference between. Well, and you know, the, the whole thing about cheersing and the old, like the old British or the old, even like old English way of it was you're cheersing, you're getting a little bit of your glass into their glass yeah. to prove you didn't poison them. <laughs> right, and then yeah. the eye contact is to watch the other person drink it. Oh shit. So to uh, go one further and to cheers and then smell it instead of drinking it, you're like breaking yeah. that social norm quickly. <laughs> <laughs> well, the date did not go well in the oh. show, guys. Oh. Gosh. Only children TV. It's the writers, you guys the writers can, did yeah. that to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I heard Blame that. Them. Uh, speaking of cheers, that in Canada they say sociable when they cheers. Sociable. Yeah, and I, sociable. I've never heard that before, but I was listening to another podcast that was saying that the other day, so I haven't re- uh, fact-checked this, but I, I don't want, know why they'd lie. Sociable. Sociable. It just sounds so Canadian. Though. Where does chin-chin come from in, in Italy? That's Do you know where the origin of, does anyone know the origin of that? Chin-chin? No. Off the top of my head, no. no. But that's the it's Italian supposed to thing. be what the glass sounds like, chin-chin? I guess, yeah. I don't know, Mike, is it slightly, like, racist? I hope not. <laughs> like, I hope not. Where did you go from? No, I mean, I'm just being a jerk. Um, <laughs> uh, what was I going to say? Um, um, we were talking cheersing. Cheersing. Noses in, noses in the glass. Trying smelling everything. Wine, pizza ovens and cars. <laughs> There's a pothole. We'll fix it. <laughs> Just call us up on the hotline. <laughs> Pizza hotline. I do feel like I have like a running list of things that I need to smell more. Like I'll go through phases, particularly when I was like working on the blind tasting thing, which is not a, really a useful skill, except unless you're passing tests. But it's I would, a party I trick. would have different uh, herbs on my like for a week. I'd be like, I will smell dill every morning until I can smell American oak. Like <laughs> just like trying to train my nose. Yeah. Do you have know. like that like kit that has all the smells in it? I or? wish I did. That thing's expensive. Yeah, that thing is crazy expensive. It's like huh? I could spend I could spend that money on wine. <laughs> yeah. uh, I have a friend who has it, and he says he's going to bring it to to one of our practice group sessions sometime. So let's see if it's any good. Can I bring? I'm gonna bring my smell kit. Bring my smell kit. Smelling salt. See, I got a rubber balloon back here somewhere. I got. No, recently it's Ethanol. been because we're on spirits and the diploma. So recently our, our teachers just like every morning smell a brandy and smell a, a, a scotch so, so you can tell the difference between fruit and grain. I'm like, Jesus. okay, before I leave the door. Yeah. It's lame. <laughs> fruit and grain. Fruit and grain. Oh, I guess that's good to know that Working hard. Yeah. Wake up and smell booze. Yeah, it's a rough life. Good morning. Uh, hey, I smell, not drink. Mm-hmm. Hey, Matthew, have you ever taken any like wine tests? So I quit college in 2004, <laughs> and I decided that was going to be the last time I took an exam. Yeah. So no, yeah. only because... Um, you don't need to. Well, no, I, I don't think about it like that for me. Yeah. It's more about how things work for you, how you get right. things. What are the best ways for you to be successful within your skill set, but also the way you learn? Mm-hmm. And I'm not a flashcard learner. I'm not a... And look, I, in high school and when I gave a shit about college, I did okay in college, but... Mm-hmm. 
Um, taking tests is not a way that I like to prove anything about myself. I don't think it really, for me, defines who I am. Right. But I have so many friends who have gone through the quartermaster sommeliers. Some people have gone the fast track and gotten right through it quickly. Others took, you know, a decade to get yeah. through it. And the amount of, you know, dedication that takes, the amount of money invested, the stress you put on a partner or even on, like, your workplace sometimes, um, the people who are able to persevere on that, also because they're able to learn that way, I have an amazing respect for that. But that's just not, sadly, how I like to do my studies or, I I mean, at this point, I'm a janitor, I'm a secretary, I'm a babysitter, you know. Yeah. I'm not sitting there smelling wine all day, every day. I can't even take tasting appointments anymore. I'm too busy. Oh, man. Yeah. Got a lot of things going on. There's a couple things. Um, do you have any uh, in, the, in the works projects that you'd like to hint at or talk about? Or? Hint, hint, wink, wink. wink yeah, wink. so, uh, yes, there is a new um, direct-to-consumer wine club that I'm going to be launching. Ooh. Looks like for the Christmas gifting season of 2018. Fabulous. Yeah, called Sullivan, S-O-L-O-V-I-N. And people can go to Sullivan.com, sign up for the mailing list. Oh, like one wine, Sullivan. Like only wine. Oh, uh-huh. that's so Aww. cute. Is it like a one a month kind of club or a... You know, there's more information coming okay. soon. Oh, okay. But, but the, the difference between us and others is that um, uh, the great wine clubs are someone's voice there's a a story being told from the perspective of someone yeah and that someone often is someone we all are aware of in the wine world someone with a lot of perspective of a lot of connections they can go visit wineries and create their own cuvées their own whatever they're able to you know manipulate and, and facilitate with their friends and their contacts and it's basically seeing the wine world through the, that person's eyes right mm-hmm. So what we're trying to create is an opportunity to see it through a lot of people's eyes and through multiple influencer, wine director, sommelier type people, uh, and not just give one story, but give many stories. And people will be able to jump into different stories, come into stories, come out of stories, find out if you vibe with the kind of style that someone likes or someone else, do combinations of that. So that's really the big thing we're trying to accomplish is to give the customer the ability to find different streams of what they might like. It sounds like a dating app, but for wine. Like, you got to find the person yeah, yeah. you groove with. Like, yeah. you can interact with them. Someone that you could, you know, travel with. I mean, Someone ultimately... you could just sit around and watch TV with. Ultimately, there is a part of that that we've talked about, and so that's not far off from where we're trying to go with this. Mm-hmm. But really what it is, is you want to create a marketplace where people feel comfortable to spend their money and also are getting knowledge, information, education... Also, there's some nostalgic things I want to bring back. Like, back when we were all kids, albums of your favorite band would come out on Tuesday at 12.01 a.m. And you had to go to the record store Monday night, sometimes wait in line to go get it. I want to bring back that nostalgia, that kind of experience of having a place to be at a certain time. Which, you know, with DVRs and with the way that everyone can listen to podcasts whenever they want now on their cool app that Apple put out, there's no permeance of time now. So I'm trying to make it to that way within this new world of I can do anything whenever I want, which is great and it's valuable. I still want to give that nostalgic moment of someone saying like, well, I got to set my clock mm-hmm. for 7 p.m. on Sunday to set who I'm going to pick my wines from. And maybe if I do that and I do it on time, I'm going to get early access to exclusives, Ooh. maybe get to do my own cuvee, maybe Ooh. get to have trips to wineries and things like that. We've got a lot of stuff in the works. Oh, cool. That's very and exciting. It's all about interaction. It's all about people 
not just buying a bottle of wine and then opening it and never talking about it again. We want to create a dialogue. We want to give people a new experience and create this kind of new world of wine where it's interactive as well. Wow, cool. Sounds love- really neat. I'm into it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I'm also Sign getting me up. pictures of like lines in the wee hours of morning, people lining up down uh, down Glendale Boulevard, like outside Good Measure, like <laughs> to get their <laughs> hands on on the on the latest release. Yeah, you I never mean, know. That would be cool. So are there going to be like guest like um, curators, kind of like they'll come in and then yeah. like they'll take over for a couple of weeks or something, and then ha- however in? long. Yeah, sometimes it might be a quarter, it might be a year, um, but the plan has. We're going to start small and mm-hmm. a little bit more concise in the beginning, but ultimately we want to have this incredible network of our friends, our colleagues, people that we love their take on wine, and maybe they bring a unique view on a certain region or a certain uh, grape variety they personally specialize in. There are some friends of mine who do that, and yeah. we can get down like Pascaline Le Peltier is a Chenin Blanc just uh, magistrate. That's mm-hmm. like her, yeah. her voice is Chenin Blanc. So, you know, we might be able to get really focused like that or someone who like uh, my friend Lisa Granick is the Republic of Georgia person. She is the ambassador of the Republic of Georgia. Georgia. So, you know, that kind of stuff We're we're trying to get people just access in a way that nowadays everyone can learn about everything. Mm -hmm. Can you find everything? Right. We're trying to make things more accessible while also giving different storylines. I think that's great too, and I, I think it's giving people like a more well-rounded thing, yeah. you know, with wine. And I feel like what what happens with with a lot of things too is that people kind of jump on whatever's trendy at the moment, and then they kind of no neglect. idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> we don't spend a lot of time complaining yeah. about the people that no. try and order skin contact wine yeah. from you or anything. Like, do I'm we? not drinking any Merlot. <laughs> you know, um, or those people. But uh, yeah, no. But it, it, it's important to remind. Do you have any Pomerol though? <laughs> <laughs> oh right, yeah. Roland de Pomerol oh. too. I was looking for Cheval Blanc. It's like I, I hate I hate blends, but I love Bordeaux. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. How do I navigate this? What blends do you have? What blends do you have? I'm really uh, into blends recently. Um, but, you know, just like kind of giving people access to, you know, more of the world of wine. I think that's the most exciting that's the hope that's the hope but it can be intimidating i get it i get it you guys it's intimidating it is it is i think every year we see more and more people get into wine as a profession one of the worries i have is that it seems like more and more people who are in wine and have influence in wine don't actually have a background and a a knowledge base in wine so i think everyone who's in the wine world who makes recommendations who has influence I just challenge everyone to maybe get outside their own box a little bit more and maybe learn a little bit more. Like me personally, I could have focused on Bordeaux, on Burgundy, on Santa Barbara County and never learned another thing ever, ever. And I probably could make a career out of that. Yeah. But I was the first person to pour Moroccan wine by the glass in Los Angeles. And I championed with the help of my friends at Silver Lake Wine early on stuff from the Republic of Georgia, Montenegro, Bosnia, Herzegovina. Um, wines from little islands off of Croatia, wines from Slovenia, long before people mm-hmm. even knew those places made wine. Yeah, Canary Islands. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, and uh, we're not trying to take credit for things. It's more just about, yes, there are things that are classic and command a certain price, but also don't forget the world has been creating wine for many, 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 many millennia. And, you know, 
Napa Valley was not the first person or the first place to grow Cabernet. They had to get it from somewhere. Right. And then even further, like we all love great cover songs, but sometimes you got to mm-hmm. go to the original writer yeah. to really understand where things come from. And right. you know, there's a, there's another story to be told and the history. It, it writes itself in wine, especially. Oh yeah, for sure. And it's so closely related and tied to history and geography and religion, you know, everything. Religion. Yeah. Definitely. Finally read for the love of wine, the Alice, Alice fearing. Do you uh-huh. say it fearing or fearing her like last Firing. Name? Firing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Had it wrong. Before. She has red hair like me. Ah, <laughs> Her, but <laughs> that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> I'm putting it all together in my head. Um, yeah, I don't know. Reading her about uh, people in Georgia and their sort of uh, connection to wine that's otherworldly and goes back further than so many things, but also her fear of it dying out, you know, people not, you know, people wanting to make quicker, faster, cheaper wines, not wanting to make the quivery, the big clay um, vessels they bury the wine mm-hmm. in and yeah I don't know it was interesting hmm. it's there's, a good book there's a conundrum mm-hmm. too right now that uh, and this is mostly with food farming but also grape farming to a certain respect people don't find it sexy to be a farmer so yeah. generations are grown up into this wine world or into let's say like a broccoli farm or whatever people you know get brought up into wheat farm corn farm and the new generation now doesn't want to do that Pink yeah. is trying to change that Pink, yeah, like the, like the pop singer. Yeah, she's secretly been becoming a winemaker. For apparently, five years? Really? yeah, no, she's like actually seriously like farming. Like I just, yeah. she's maybe yeah. maybe she'll bring farming back. She lives out by Brennan's parents, and we saw oh, yeah? her husband and her daughter at this tiny hole in the wall Mexican place. They're cool people. <laughs> I don't have a lot of experience with them, but the Sarlos people have helped oh, me really? a lot. Oh, cool. So I've indirectly heard some stuff, and you know, I've never seen their property or tasted their wine or anything, but. I've secretly known about it as secretly as she's been doing it. Um, it's really cool to see that now it's making the light of day and people are being able to learn about it. She, from day one, her mission was, I don't want to be a pop star with a wine. I want to do it the right way. I want to learn how we should do this. I want to be conscious of the people around me and the history of the region. And it's not like just, you know, blowing up an area and taking over as someone with fame. Yeah, I was yeah. reading doing the, it the right they way. just released the news about it and I've been like reading the interviews with her. I'm like, oh it's she's really serious about like she's yeah she's super into it. It's oh, cool. cool. And it doesn't seem like she just got coaching in the PR. It's like it's actually her truth. And she refuses her. to release her rose because she's like, I can't release pink wine. She's like she could make a, <laughs> she could make a gajillion dollars releasing a pink pink, you know? Yeah. Pink, uh, and pink's she's, pink. She's like, pink. she's like, no, pink we're making a Grenache rosé, but I'm not releasing it because I just, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I respect that. I like pink. I'm a fan. Yeah, I like her. Hey, pink, if you listen to this. Um, she's talented. Text me. She can dance. She can dance. She can sing. She can also apparently pick grapes and make good wine. I don't yeah. know. I want to taste it. I think it's called Two Wolves. Two Wolves? Something like that. Also more know. female winemakers. Yeah. yeah. More and more. <laughs> more and more and more. More and more. More, more, more. More. Um, Working on it. Well, keep an eye out for pink for pink wine. <laughs> pink by pink. <laughs> pink, 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 pink by pink. Pink by pink. No. Oh, thank you, Matthew. Mm. That is a really interesting backwards pour you I'm have I'm good at there. pouring things. Yeah. I 
was trying to do a little research and I was looking on the Dragonette site and was not finding their breakdown of what grapes are in this. I'm guessing it's... I was going to ask you because I, I couldn't either. <laughs> if I'm remembering correctly, it's Grenache mostly and some Pinot Noir. I, was, I think it's like 90% Grenache. Though. I was thinking it was probably Grenache. They, Dragonette makes a good, like, there's not a lot of California Grenaches I've had and liked, but they make a good one. Uh, Santa Barbara County, I think, is starting now to take Grenache a little more seriously. Same way that like the Vinevale part of Barossa Valley, Australia, and you're seeing it in, to an extent, in the Southern Rhone as well, but Grenache should not be handled like Syrah. It should be handled more like Pinot Noir. Yeah. And oh, really? Oh, It's I an mean, oxidative grape. Yeah. It, it def- you give it too much oak, it's going to just breathe and breathe and breathe, and it's going to turn into something you can't really enjoy in five years. Right. And what I'm seeing in Santa Barbara is the same I'm seeing from like McLaren Vale and also from Barossa, Australia. You treat it young and fresh and um, a little bit lower brick level, a little bit more on the, you know, I I don't even want to call it underripe, but you're not going for full richness. And the grape itself can be so delicate and so clean. This rosé is showing that, you know, it's really, it's got a mineral edge to it. It's not super full bodied. The color's gorgeous. There's obviously not a lot of skin contact, not for a long period of time. But when Grenache is handled that way, it's just really pretty and elegant. Yeah. No, I agree. I definitely agree. Dragonette Rosé, I think it was it was probably like four years ago now when, it was when I was just first starting to like really want to get a little more serious about being into wine. And that was, this is one of the first Rosés I had that just like turned my head around. I was like, oh yeah. It's so good. So good. So good. <laughs> Thanks, Dragonette Sellers. Yeah. I got the pleasure of, of meeting Brandon because um, he came and taught one of the, he taught the winemaking section of our WSET diploma class because oh, I guess yeah. he's going for his master of, of wine, I think. Oh. Um, yeah, super nice guy. And it was just like, I was a fan girl. I'm like, oh, we're getting taught by Dragonette. Oh my God. <laughs> I've been a member at your winery for like, it was cool. Forever. Forever. No. Yeah. And the other owners of it, their last names are actually Dragonette? Yeah. That's... Mm-hmm. Two brothers. That's amazing. I think both lawyers prior. Oh. Yeah, and they're, they're good dudes. Really good guys. The whole family, you know, it's, I think the, the brothers and their wives, Brandon, and then his wife is also a really big farming mind in Santa Barbara County. She is one of the spearheads of some of the best farming operations in the whole area. So together, they are just like this dream team. How do we, uh, how do we get these farmers back? How do we make farming sexy? <laughs> that's not my job <laughs> <laughs> it's not my job that's not my job yeah. you know it's a really good question I think ultimately what it comes back to is that when people follow the chain of production mm-hmm. you start to understand like if you love beer you're also going to hopefully love how grain is grown and how hops are grown and why water is so important and yeah. in wine it's the same thing if you love wine you can't take away the fact that it's a natural product where grapes are grown every year, takes 365 days a year to do that work. Someone or someones are going to have to be there to every day, whether make decisions or take away decisions. You yeah, never, yeah. you know that that's philosophy. But yeah, there it's it's, it's a 365 thought, day a year like, job. Farmers markets are growing in sort of sexiness and in, in terms yeah. of what people think of them. So it's like, hmm, how can this apply to? The wine world, because I, I feel like it's whatever, whoever the name behind a wine label tends to be the person who gets the glory, I feel like. Right. I don't know. That's true. I would definitely get into some farming. I'd plant some grapes. I'd do that. But I feel like it's like a retirement hobby. 
I feel like it's like you'd have to. I'm not there yet. <laughs> I'm not no. there yet. Yeah. Because I got way too much. Got some goals I want to some accomplish things. first. But <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I want to end up on a vineyard, of course. Yeah, of course. It's the sexiest place in the world to live. Yeah. Why would you not want to do that? Well, and grapes are really smart, way smarter than humans. They pick such beautiful places to grow. Uh-huh. They're like, <laughs> can you imagine like going to buy a house with a grape? And it's like, no, the view is not good enough. Yeah. Nope. Uh-huh. No. Nope. No. Yeah. I don't like the school district. <laughs> it's too hot here. Ugh. Oh, it's too cold it's here. It's too cold, too. Too cold, there, too. There needs to be a yard for the dogs. Mm-hmm. Just right. I need some water close by. But not yeah. too much water. Too Is much. there an old riverbed that dried up about three million years ago? Perfect, I'm in. <laughs> Perfect, I'm in. Let me sink my roots in. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Going nowhere. <laughs> Settle in for the ride. Yeah, grapes are smart. I like their intelligence level. Yeah. And they're strong and resilient. Yeah. You know? They're tough little oh, yeah. fuckers. <laughs> we can curse? Yeah, we, oh, yeah. Shit. we can yeah. curse, yeah. Okay, curse good. the fuck out of this podcast. Curse the fuck out of this fucking wine, man. I yeah, I didn't know until I started reading more about wine that grapes actually, you, you would think just like, oh, you want to grow a good plant? It should have all the sun and water in the world. And then I was like, oh, they actually make better fruit when they're stressed. I didn't know that until like a year or so ago. And I was like, that's so interesting. I wish I did my best work when I was stressed. Yeah. You don't? <laughs> no, 2018 would have been a better year. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's just the stress uh, levels are great. Yeah. It's, it's actually important. Yeah. yeah. But I wish that we acted like grapevines is what uh, I'm... That's, what I'm, that's my you analogy. You gotta make your fruit juicier. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Whoa. Hello. Ellen. Wow. I'm glad I'm sitting between you guys. Oh, gosh. Because... The, between the dueling baseball... The sparks. Teams <laughs> and me telling Matt he needs ju- Matthew he needs juicier fruit. Okay. Something baseball. Quiet, Ellen. Baseball off. Uh, and these days, speaking of stress, <laughs> yeah. no, we were discussing earlier, it's a very stressful time of year in baseball. It By the time stressful. this is out, it'll all be over. No, but there's lessons learned, I think, from those stressful times, just like, you know, the grapes learn those lessons too, and they learn how to keep growing and doing all that stuff. I mean, as cheese ball as this analogy is going to play out, um, you know, same for humans yeah. too. I think we should learn from the stresses. I mean, yeah, it's been... I mean, it just everything that's going on right now in our country, yeah. like this Supreme Court stuff, too, it's, it's really weighing on everyone, I feel. And hopefully that there's lessons and we come out the other side of these stresses with a delicious bunch of grapes. Absolutely. Hanging off of us. I'm glad you all the vines are stressed. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Well, Matthew, you travel a lot. I, I know from, from hearing tales of, oh, God, he's off to Portugal again. Yeah. Or Instagram. Um, I'm very lucky. I think that's amazing. Uh, do you ever have a desire to not live in uh, California? <laughs> oh, good question. So uh, Los Angeles currently, I'm a vine rooted here. Mm. <laughs> but... Only this year have I finally started to think like, okay, I could actually see myself living elsewhere. Not just spending time elsewhere, maybe living elsewhere. I'm not moving anytime soon. I'm not, that's not where this is going. But yeah, I could definitely see myself um, the, the south of Australia, um, Adelaide Hills, Ooh. McLaren Vale, in Adelaide or just outside Adelaide. I could see myself living there. I love Lisbon. I'm a huge fan of Portugal you can kind of get anywhere in like three or four hours and, you know, growing up here and going to San Francisco pretty often, it's six hours from LA area to San Francisco. So it's not a, a big deal to drive anywhere in Portugal at all. You got Spain as your neighbor, yeah. you got Morocco just South of you, you know, France is not far away. Um, and then part of me 
could just like go somewhere I don't know anyone and don't speak the language and just get by and just try it because you know what you get one fucking chance yeah you know and comfort's awesome I love being somewhere where I know people and I'm known in a certain respect but also it's kind of fun to just maybe have no one know you and Mm -hmm try that out so I don't know the world's a big place it's you know? a big place they speak a lot of languages <laughs> they do yeah and it, I think it's true we do get stuck in our little bubble sometimes I heard though that other languages have words for the same things and they <laughs> oh, also really? they like they want to eat and they want to protect their family like we do what oh my god I don't know this sounds like socialism oh my goodness <laughs> I know <laughs> I know but the more I travel the more I realize what Anthony Bourdain was trying to show and yeah. expose the fact that Truly, it's just people at the heart of it having dinner and having a family that they want to protect and keep fed, you know, whatever they believe in religiously, however the government does their thing on their side, like, we're not that different. Yeah. And the language barrier a lot of times keeps us from truly understanding we're not that different. It's very true. I very much concur with that. Um, So I'm thankful for the travel. It's opened my eyes a lot. Where have you not been that you would like to go yeah well i'm from lebanon in my lineage oh so i would like to go to lebanon at some point go check out chateau musar who are oh, friends yeah. of mine mm-hmm. um i'm going to uruguay for the first time next month oh, which, oh my gosh when this airs might be this month <laughs> but in november yeah and then um Tanat. T- so much Tanat and so much steak <laughs> <It's gonna be laughs> they're awesome. the biggest um they, they consume more steak Per capita than anywhere on the planet, really? more beef, but oh, like more than so Argentina. Like Argentina is 120 pounds per person, yeah. but Uruguay is 130. Holy moly! And that's pounds, not I don't know the kilogram. And for anyone in the metric system, I'm sorry, I don't know the translation, but it's a lot of kilograms. Uh, it's less kilograms, but um, <laughs> a lot of meat. Yeah, I'm excited to go there and drink a lot of tanat and eat a lot of steak, and then uh, eventually I'm going to get to the Republic of Georgia. That'll happen at some point. It looks like. I want to get to Slovenia and Croatia. Ooh. I want to get to um, Armenia. There's some cool stuff happening in Armenia. I need to go see that. And aside from that, I'll, uh, my company's called We'll Travel for Wine. Yeah. So just so everyone knows, I will travel for wine. <laughs> just saying. Just saying. And as long as my schedule allows, the answer is yes. Yeah. yeah. We'll travel. I'm not above any place. I'll go anywhere that wine is made. I'll be real honest about things if I'm asked, <laughs> yeah. but I will go anywhere. And I look forward to, like, I want to get to China at some point and check out what they're doing. Yeah, yeah totally. It's crazy what they're doing. Yeah, it's a lot. A lot of investment. The, um, the Lafitte, the, the Chateau Lafitte Rothschild group, the people that own that group, have a project in China. Oh. And I just tasted some of it earlier oh. this month at oh, whoa, where? Yeah, the uh, Full Circle Beverage Conference. Oh, man. Uh, Our friends Evan Goldstein, Lemang, and all them uh, put together a really great conference. And they had actually the chairman of the company who oversees all these amazing domains all over whoa. the world. He's a uh, Jean Guillaume. Said, that's said in French. I was going to say, was he French? <laughs> John William. So Jean Guillaume, who's a big deal in the wine world, came and. He used to be the uh, the estate director of Costes Tournel, and he's mentioned how he used to drive by Chateau Lafitte Rothschild every day on his way to work, <laughs> and then it became where he was going instead of where he was passing. Oh, so uh, that, you know, those kind of experiences can happen. People got a dream, yeah, got a hope sure. and dream and, and wish. But um, they had an opportunity to go in with a family that had a lot of vineyard space, or at that point, just land. I guess they planted it together, and China's got a long way to go. But I think give them some more time, they're probably going to figure it out. Was it Bordeaux Varietal? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. 
They're, they love They're still pretty hooked on Merlot, Cabernet, Cap Franc kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Right. Hmm. Bordisi. Yeah, because, like, I mean, it's a very, like, fruitful nation. I mean, they have tons of agriculture, so. They grow everything. They grow everything. Yeah. I mean, the only time I've, the closest I've come to Chinese wine is I was at Wally's, and for $90 a glass, you could try some Chinese wine. Ooh, I, 90 I, a glass. I, I you was, have three? I direly was like, I wish money were no thing, because I really want to try Chinese wine. But it's like, oh, I'll let that stay on the menu. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Wally's. Oh, Wally's. I've only been there once. I think they just opened the Santa Monica oh. Oh, really? location. I got a text last night from someone saying, why aren't you here? <laughs> and I wasn't there, so oh. that's why. <laughs> My one experience there was good. I started talking to the guy at the bar, and he let me taste some Opus One because I'd never tasted it before. I was like, that's, oh, that's very nice. sweet. Opus <laughs> One can be very good Yeah, when it's had some time to right its wrongs. I thought it was maybe mm-hmm. corked. Whoops. Yoink. I'm not sure. I'm very sensitive to that, but I, yeah. I felt really bad because I'm like, TCA sensitive. Yeah, I'm not sure. I could have been wrong, though. TCA I'm... positive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, is, that, is that the term? I don't know. I've never had Opus One. I don't think so. Maybe I have. I went to try it again because I think <laughs> I the one like, I was given was quite yeah. a little bit. I feel like so much wine has been brought into Cobell over the years that, you know. Oh, yeah. Sometimes uh, you don't. Brian. Brian Cleal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, alone. Just him alone, Who's I know. that? He was the psalm for uh, Matisse, which is now it's closed. M- Melise. Melise, sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, Melise, which is, was a restaurant in Santa Monica. Is it no longer open? Or maybe, is it, I thought it closed. No, I'm, I think it's open. I don't really know. I um, it closed. I don't know. Just a really cool psalm guy and would open insane wines and then just bring them. Oh. Like if we, had, if we had some left over and be like, try this. You're like, what? Well, that's the, the thing about wine, though, that I love probably like my top love about wine is that it's something that's always better when you share it and the more yeah. wine people I meet the more they're the most giving people on earth because it's like when you have something you really love it's better if you can like have someone else look and go oh my god I love that too like right. and it just makes it all better than what it is somehow yeah, right. it's a reference point it's something that you then get to have a conversation and a memory about you know and I think our memories work in really weird ways nowadays. So to have something to remember and a shared memory, yeah. Yeah. it just works well. It's totally like that Rolodex place card. It gives a little more meaning that way. Mm-hmm. No, but I'm, I, I want to stress that I think that some people they're like, oh, I just want to drink the best stuff, you know? Uh, and it's like, well, this uh, means something to this person, yeah. but it might not mean the same thing to you. Best and is it, subjective. And it's, and it's subjective. Yeah. It doesn't mean that it's better or worse. You can have a delicious, amazing wine for much less of a cost <laughs> but if it doesn't matter to you so anyway so it, it's more like these specialty wines sometimes or these wines that cost more are more for like the the nerdy geek factor than for like the quality or the flavor pro- aspect of it and a lot of times also on top of all that it's also scarcity and oh, how yeah. little yeah, they produce of it that's true too. and then at some point like when the prices get so astronomical the market shrivels up and shrinks to such a small level that the kind of people who are in on that, like if it goes up $1,000 a bottle, does that affect their life? Yeah. No. So if you want to have something and you're a collector or you're the kind of person that just has to have whatever it is, doesn't matter the price tag. You're going to get it. You're going to collect it. And that mm-hmm. drives prices up even more. Yeah. The pricing of wine is insane. Yes. Yeah. Like what's the, uh, what's the original vintage of AMF I'm at right now? Um, there's, <laughs> there's now one bottle left of Syrah. That's it? 
2007 vintage Syrah in my cellar, and oh, the going damn. price right now is five hundred and fifty thousand dollars a bottle. Wow, that's yeah. a that's but a, I'd sell it for less. It's an interesting number. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> seems shocked. I'm just kidding. Five hundred fifty thousand. Do you have prized bottles that you're like waiting for special life circumstances to You know, open? I, I used to have a lot of wines with that kind of uh, emotional connection. And then I realized I just have a lot of wine now <laughs> at the restaurants and at the wine bars. So yeah. I like to share certain things with certain people. Yeah. But I know that I can always find something if I need to find it. I can really track stuff down if I have to. So there's things I like I've collected in certain contexts or brought back from trips and at some point, I just let go of the fact that it's so special, yeah. and I just want to enjoy the wine. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. who you enjoy it with, I think, is more important than the bottle itself. Yeah. Right. And I'll so piggy- no. yeah, I'll piggyback on that. And Matthew is one of the most generous people I know, and he's very, very um, down to share, and he brings amazing wines and spreads for all different kinds of occasions. And he's, un- you know, definitely not afraid to open a very nice bottle of wine and just like try it without making it precious. But still Thank enjoying you. it, yeah. So I must say, like, you, I, you know, very much so. I like sharing. So if you get a chance to hang around, <laughs> <laughs> if you meet Matthew and you're at a party, you're like, hey, buddy. I might have some wine hey, to share. You might have some wine <laughs> to share. No, no, no. I don't want people to hound you. <laughs> Just come too late. to good measure. It's too late. I know, it's probably too late, especially in this neighborhood. Come to Good Measure yeah. every day. Yeah, yeah. Come to Good Measure. Actually, yeah, you can just come to Good Measure, guys. You might find me at Covell. You might find me at Augustine. You'll yeah. definitely find me at Good Measure. Yeah. Yeah. My days. only problem with most of your bars is that not uh, enough of them are super close to me as Covell is. Like, yeah. I would, I love Augustine, but I only yeah. make it there every so often because it's a little far. I understand. It's a great place. Yeah. And I get there less now myself. And you yeah. still got the tater tots there. Tater tots is, are delicious. Yeah. Oh, there's still tater tots in Augustine. Yeah, well, we have a full kitchen there. Yeah, that's right. You can do it there. Covell, our closet wouldn't allow for the fryer to stay. <laughs> Thanks, health department. Yeah, oh. it's and okay. It happens. It's okay. My, all my clothes. The potatoes like. there are very good. <laughs> no more bowl tots. Yeah, no more bowl tots. Bowl tots. <laughs> Thanks, Carrie. Uh, well, okay. So when they make tater tots, they put them in a bowl, and there like sometimes there'd be like a couple, like one or two left in yeah. the bowl. And you would just have a little snack. Yeah. And they were called bowl tots. <laughs> the leftovers. Oh, the no. leftovers. Bowl tots. But so. when you've been working like an eight-hour shift, seven-hour shift, yeah. and everyone wants Malbec, like it's nice to walk into the, the little kitchen and get <laughs> a bowl tot. Have a little bowl tot. Get a little salt <laughs> injection. Yeah. <laughs> it, definitely, it definitely helped you get through a couple of shifts, for sure. Where So you're, you're still making AMFM? AMFM still being produced, yeah. We currently have... 2014 Pinot Noir and Chardonnay available through our distributor Grand Place Selections. Oh. If anyone knows any of those people, hit them up. Cool. And you can buy it at, uh, where, at what retail? It tends to be available here and there at um, the, the Silver Lake Wine cruise places. So mm-hmm. I've in the past seen it at Silver Lake Wine, Highland Park Wine. I guess any of the Silver Lake Wine locations, there's more than one. And then it's also been at Everson Royce. Um, aside from that, if you could open a wine bar at Dodger Stadium, would you? <laughs> it's definitely something that we've talked about doing. Um, the problem there is the concessions are run by Levy restaurants uh-huh. and it's not in their interest to let someone else do it. Yeah. So there's like a whole licensing thing. And I, you know, so it's all not, I know is last time I tried to find wine yeah. there, they had, what was it? The, oh, was it Stella? The, those it's you not, celebrate? It's not real wine. You celebrate? Uh, oh, Stella Rosa yeah. or whatever? Yeah, Stella Rosa. Yeah, and they, yeah. they have now like the Kenwood celebrate. Chardonnay stackers. So it's like, oh, yeah. Ooh. No, that's what I ended up getting. Easy to walk to your seat with. 
I mean, it went okay with garlic fries. It mostly just tasted like garlic after that. But (laughs) look, if Mr. Levy's listening. I'd love to talk about opening a wine bar with you at at the the, the stadium. I, yeah. You know, the the Dodgers are some very precious people to me, both the players and the, the management and everyone. I'm, I'm buddies with a lot of people on the team, um, both on the management side. And it would be awesome to have a, a, a thing to do there wine-wise. And they're big wine drinkers. It's a huge I, – I, I'm noticing this is big in all sports now. Yeah. Like LeBron's huge in yeah. wine, and, you know. Carmelo Anthony's big in wine, and our buddy Baxter wrote this great article wine about of the it. Dodgers. Yeah, it's it's that a, would be cool. It's a big deal. So we've we've definitely wanted to do something like that and kind of roll into our friendships and you know acquaintance levels into doing something at the stadium, but can't do it alone. So yeah, if you if you guys want a partner, hit us up. He's available, guys. Well, we have many uh, you know baseball listeners, and I don't know. <laughs> that would be amazing, though. Oh yeah. Uh, like the love of wine, the love of baseball, also good shared. Uh-huh. It's always better when you're with other fans. Always oh, better yeah. shared. Do you remember the wine that like really liked, kicked you over the top? That was like, holy shit, I yeah, love wine. The, f- the first holy shit was 1931 Sepultsfield <gasps> port-style wine from South Australia in Barossa. Sepultsfield? I had that back in 2005, 2006. And what's so cool about this... Yeah. Um, I got to visit Sepultsfield Winery on my oh. last trip to Australia, and they have a cellar where they have all their port style wines all the way back to the first vintage, which I think is 1894 or so. Whoa. And I let the the cellar hand, the guy who like he's in charge of this, and like the week before us, the was the the Duchess and the Duke of I forget which one, but w- Prince William and his <laughs> wife were there yeah. like literally the week before us tasting these same wines. Whoa. So I let him know my story and how the 31 had just totally hit me over the head and basically catapulted me into giving a shit about wine. So he let me retaste it oh, out of barrel, which was so cool. Whoa. Did the memory hold up? It's a new memory. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. So different now. Yeah. yeah. That's not the same thing. I w- it, you know, if it was like listening to a song, the same recording, it's right. just not the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cause wine is a living it's alive. thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's in a barrel. It, it, it's they, not bottled. They yeah. still have them in barrel wow. until they get ordered. And when oh they get God. ordered, they bottle them. They bottle it. Yeah. That's so yeah, that's crazy. That was that's the insane. first one. And then the next one years later, that's such a unique, one. Yeah, <laughs> it's I a know, very unique wine. I know. The next one was uh, a total unicorn bottle that our friend Brian Khalil brought to Covell yeah. one night. 1980 Henri Jaillet. That's mine. Echizo. We were working that same shift. That that's my wine. We'll yeah. never taste that again. Wait, probably. That, that was the, the, the Richburg. Yeah, the Richburg. Yeah. Oh, was it Richburg? Yeah. Oh, excuse me. Oh, not wait. Yeah. Richburg. Richburg. Oh no. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's Richburg. Yeah. I misspoke. Yeah. Same one. Yeah, I'm sorry. I got, I got, I got I'm so caught up in my exactly. own memory of it. Yeah, yeah. The Henri Jair 1980. The bottle's sure. still at Covell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a picture of it because it was the first wine I put my nose in that glass, and all the hairs on my body stood up on it. Yeah, like, like oh, it was wow. crazy. My it was one of his last reaction. vintages, and um, the guy is just—he's he, one of those winemakers that every person on the planet who knows wine wishes they could try these wines mm-hmm. you know at this point they're like tens of thousands of dollars so we're probably never going to try it again unless right. some angel investor or someone yeah. like that just comes down from the heavens and showers us with it like yeah. brian did yeah. but man yeah the richborg yeah richborg yeah richborg good reminder um i yeah, just remembered because so you sent me that picture because i we were talking about it on the pod i was like i'll put it on the insta and Ooh. that was before i knew my grand crew vineyards and i was like richborg must remember that <laughs> must remember my second two was like early on when we had opened Covell, like Krug came in 
they were visiting mm. and they did and they let us taste a whole bunch of they had a whole bunch of stuff open and Matt was like you're going to want to grab a glass and come <laughs> over you here. might want a glass yeah. yeah it was like the yeah it was like the second sort of moment yeah. where I put my nose in that glass I was like what and this I actually is champagne I went to the winery in oh, really? May yeah. I got to go there which was insane wow they have um all the I'm way sure. back to 1990 the reserve wines in a locked like you know it's a cellar it's so it's subterranean it's this incredible like 10 kilometers of cellar type thing under the ground and where their current releases are and also the reserve wines they have with like a locking key and this amazing gate and it's just this incredible like tower forest of these (laughs) amazing stainless steel like so beautiful the way it's designed wow so crazy man I have so much to learn and taste (laughs) I know so much to learn and taste. I know, well, like the um, champagne class that we went yeah, to. Yeah, that was the first time I'd ever tasted champagne that turned my head around. I was like, when I yeah. tasted it, it was the Dom Renard, The it was like 2006 or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I was just like, I didn't know this was possible. Dom Renard is <laughs> it's my yeah, favorite champagne a very ever important tasted. wine to me. Um, they were seeking their original bottles of the Dom Renard Blanc de Blanc 1959 and Dom Renard 1966 Rosé. And... Augustine had purchased a cellar where we found one bottle of 1959 Blanc de Blanc Dom Ruinart. So we we returned it to the winery and that we now, we've helped them put back their cellar. It's pretty crazy. I got to go visit them because of it, which was insane. Ruinart is beautiful. Oh, I I remember seeing pictures of this. I was like, whoa. Yeah, and the the chef de cave, Fred, and I have become good friends. Did they buy it from you or did they like, no, 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 there was no charge. No, 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 no. we we gave it to them. It was not for sale. It was, we understood the significance of the the gesture, and it was not about making money. Yeah, that was not the plan. Did they like fly someone out to like hand bring it back, or did they? The chef Dukov himself flew <laughs> out. He was going to at that point. It was April of last year, so he was going to head to uh, Pebble Beach Food and Wine. Uh-huh. So he came to L.A. specifically to meet me, have lunch, get the bottle. Yeah, it was a big and deal. Then they FedExed it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's an, an entire story. I'll tell you guys oh, wow. another time when we have more time. Okay, that is so cool. Um, yeah, we're getting close to four, and I think we need to get out of your hair so you can get so your. We gotta open the restaurant. Open. Get yeah. your restaurant for open. good measure. We have to give up this table so some deals can be made. Yeah. we need some closing to happen at this table. Yeah, we need some closing. ABC. Hopefully, I will soak up some of that closing energy. We all need some closing energy. Oh. Mom, 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 mom. That was like a Beetlejuice style seance, guys. That was really good. <laughs> I felt it. We're not wearing sheets though. Eight foot, seven foot, eight foot, lunch. Daylight, come and we want to go home. All right, bananas. Banana wine? Banana wine. Banana wine. Should we ask our, our, our last question? Oh, yeah. Um, outside of travel and wine and food and restaurants, what's bringing you some joy, some happiness? Uh, so the, the things that are working for me lately have been baseball. Love baseball. Yeah. I'm flying up to San Francisco tomorrow morning to go see the last regular season oh. game against the Giants. Oh, wait, oh, tomorrow God. you're flying up? Tomorrow morning, 8 a.m. I'm driving up tomorrow morning. Oh, even better. I'll, you fly over me. I will. I'll, I'll wave to you the whole yeah, time. I'm so jealous. I don't know where you'll be, but I'll wave. Um, so, yeah, baseball's big. I started going back out to concerts again, which has been Ooh, really fun. Been nice. a while. Uh, I saw. I went to Lollapalooza this year and saw oh, some cool. great music. I saw the National there. I just saw the National again recently. My good friend Kate Elizabeth Green. Shout out. I just saw her last night at the, Beck. Oh, yeah. Kate. At the bowl. At the All bowl, right. yeah. She was right in front of me in line. Nice. That's great. Yeah. Um, Hi, Kate Green. 
I started playing guitar again. <gasps> I hadn't done that in a while. Good for you. Matthew's just, also an accomplished awesome. uh, singer-songwriter, you guys. He does a few things. He released an album. You can find it. You can find really? the album, right? Uh, at this point, it's hard to find. Uh, it's going to be for the final deep, cheers. deep, deep buried somewhere. Really? You can't find it on iTunes? Liquid Love Letter. I don't Liquid know if it's still on yeah. iTunes. I'm, I'm not sure that I... Up, I'm, I may not have kept a, a credit card on file yeah. for, for that. <laughs> Just Google it. I don't remember. Credit card on file. We'll see. Up. Liquid Love Letter. Yeah, that's good, man. Yeah, it's good to kind of remind yourself of our arts and passions and things. I'll tell you, this year has been a lot of reminding myself what has inspired me in the past going yes. back to things that were you know it's again that nostalgia but also there's a reason why things work for you why it feels like a hug you know why why you find comfort so going back to all these things have been important for me mm -hmm. it's been a, a long year with a lot of really great things that have happened i traveled a lot saw some great places um but you know growth has some challenges yeah. and i always love I, I hit things head on i think it's fun to learn from mistakes it's fun to try to fix problems. It's fun. And also, you have to really be good at looking in a mirror. It's really important to be inward about it and yeah. take responsibility. And this year has taught me a lot of lessons, and I'm really thankful for them. Uh, well, cheers, Matthew. Cheers. Thank you so much for being here to, to, lessons, to lessons learned. Hmm. Yeah. Cheers. And rose drank. And, and rose. I just drink wine. I just drink This has been a Boardwalk Audio podcast. For more information and shows, visit BoardwalkAudio.com. Don't forget to rate and subscribe now.